Hello and welcome to Field Notes, a podcast about linguistic fieldwork. I'm Martha Sutsui Billens, and today's episode is with Anna Alonso Ortiz. Anna D. Alonso Ortiz is a Zapotec researcher and translator from Oaxaca, Mexico. She is an associate professor and graduate program director of the Amer Indian Studies and Bilingual Education Master's Program at the University of Querétaro. Her research focuses on the language description and language revitalization of Zapotec languages, and her work promotes languages by working on child language acquisition. She is currently developing a language course of Zapotec as a second language. Anna has worked on the production of educational materials in Zapotec in coordination with the Dil Yal Naban Collective, a group of Zapotec scholars who seek to promote the Zapotec language. Anna received her PhD from the University of Massachusetts Amherst in 2021. I'm thrilled to be sharing this episode with everyone. Anna was such an inspiration to me. Hearing her talk about her language and her community was just so incredibly uplifting, especially hearing her speak about not only the satisfaction that she gets from her work, but also the uh, struggles that she's encountered and that her parents and grandparents have encountered for their language. And yet she still continues to research and to advocate. And uh, she has such a, a positivity about her that I really felt uplifted after we chatted. And I'm sure that this interview is going to be really interesting and really inspiring to others who are doing similar work and wanting to get into uh, similar research and language revitalization avenues as Anna. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hi, Marty. Uh, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to Field Notes. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you is, can you tell us how you first became a linguist? Well, to start, in college, I majored in anthropology. But uh, while I was doing uh, anthropology, I had to choose between physical anthropology and also uh, linguistic anthropology. So that's how I start to know what was linguistics. And so, yeah, I, I decided to concentrate in linguistics, uh, linguistic anthropology. Later, uh, later on, I wanted to know more about my language and other languages that are spoken here in, in, in Mexico. So I decided to do a master and also a PhD in, in linguistics. So that's how we, I become a, a, a linguist. But um, before that, uh, when I was uh, 14 years old, I met two linguists that were working on my language. So I kind of know what they were doing and also what was um, uh, linguistics about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's how I, I, I got involved in linguistics. And also because in my family, uh, they always uh, invite me or they also uh, set me up to 
activities related to language. So yeah, I, I guess that uh, everything came in hand when I took my decision to become a linguist. Um, do you feel like you were drawn to anthropology and to linguistics from a young age, or was it something you kind of discovered later in university? Uh, yeah, yeah, I discovered it uh, in college and when, yeah, in uh, the university. I have uh, professors that inspire me to look up at, into my history, into my language. So, yeah, that's how, yeah. Yeah, awesome. For people who aren't familiar, can you share something about the language context of Zapotec languages? Sure. Uh, well, uh, Zapotec, it's a language that is spoken mainly in South Mexico, in the states of Oaxaca, uh, Mexico City, and also Veracruz state. But there, are, there is also a big population of speakers in Los Angeles, in, uh, in California. So Zapotec, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a language that is spoken in, in some, in some cities in, in, in states and Mexico and also in, in, in the, in the U.S. Uh, when we talk about Zapotec, Zapotec is not only a language, so it's a, it's a group of some people or some linguists count uh, approximately 20 to 60 Zapotec languages. Wow. And, um, and the reason why they count between 20 to 60, it's because there are uh, Zapotecs or varieties of Zapotec that are not, uh, that people cannot uh, communicate uh, among themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, my variety is called a Southern uh, Zapotec variety, but there is also Zapotecs that are uh, speaking in, in, in other regions. And if I go there, I can't communicate with them because it's used it sounds different. It is different. Uh, we share some words, but we can't have a conversation. So that's why uh, when we talk about Zapotec, we talk about many Zapotec languages. And one of the uh, prominent features of, uh, of this language is that it's a tonal language. Yeah. And it means that when you say a word, but if you change the tone of the word, you might be saying another word. Mm -hmm. So, and also you can spell a word with the same letters, but if you change the tone, that it, it we we have two different things. So, yeah, that's the that's 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 what the context of Zapotec. Mm. Can you give us a minimal pair with the tone? Um, sure. Not to put you on the spot, but if you <laughs> there's an easy one. Yeah, of course. The word for my 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 son it's uh, Rina, and the word for my nose is Rina. Okay. Oh yeah, they do sound <laughs> yeah. different. Rina, Rina. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. But they have the same. Uh, the, does the orthography distinguish the tone, or do you just kind of have to know to figure it out? Nowadays, we have to mark the tone or to put a, a graphic mark on the words. Yeah, because um, young speakers in my community are not learning the language. Mm -hmm. So now when we are preparing materials to, to teach our language, uh, we need to provide them with all the details about the language. So, mm -hmm. for example, when I was, um, when, when, when I have a, when one of, one of my professors taught me to, to write my language, 
I basically use the context of the conversation of the of the story to write the language without these marks. But now we need to provide all these details to the to the young to the young speakers or to the young uh, learners in order to in order for them to learn the language. Yeah. Okay, so that's something that's the orthography has developed even in the time since you've been working with Zapotec. It's changed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you about what are your main research interests? Like, what are you working on right now? And ling- I know you just finished your PhD <laughs> dissertation. Congratulations. Uh, but what what are you working on in the future? Or if you are hoping to continue your PhD research, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, well, as I was saying before, now there is a, well, my language is in danger. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, we have a population of elders who speaks the language, Mm -hmm. but we don't have young people who speak the language. So we know that if we want to continue speaking this language or if we want to preserve this language, we need to transmit this language. So mm-hmm. one of the problems that we are facing now is that parents have stopped to, to, to transmit, to teach this language to the young. Mm. So one of my main interests right now is to develop, to introduce or reintroduce the language as a second language and design materials and also uh, a content uh, for teaching uh, for this language. And and that also comes with uh, doing work about language awareness, promote the value of indigenous language and indigenous and, and Zapotec and promote its transmission. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my main uh, research interests right now. Is there any official support for Zapotec languages? Like, is there any funding to increase education or is it just like all on your own type of thing? Well, um, basically it's uh, in, in my own, in my own way. And also I, I collaborate with, with a, uh, with a group of young professionals and speakers of Zapotec. And we form like a collective, a, a group. And now we are trying to do something for our language. So sometimes we, uh, we can uh, apply for funds, but uh, it's not, uh, a guarantee that you will uh, get them. So, um, yeah, all the work that we are doing in Mexico for languages, for indigenous languages, it's it comes from uh, the speakers, from the community. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. So you're you were saying that the intergenerational link has been broken. So now parents are not teaching like, or transmitting Zapotec languages to their children. Was your family the same or did you grow up in like a different kind of family? What was your experience growing up with Zapotec? Well, my family, it, it is, um, <laughs> it, it is, uh, it is strange. My mom and my, and my other family members suffer from, from these, uh, Political uh, demand uh, or this uh, uh, this uh, state demand to uh, they ask them to stop uh, speaking their language and also transmitting the language. But my grandma was very uh, supportive of our language and also of our culture and defending our identity. So he never uh, she never uh, stopped 
promoting the language with with, mm-hmm. with us. So um, and then my my mom too, right? So yeah, I grew up in a family who promote uh, the indigenous language, the Zapotec language, but also um, they also allow us to speak uh, Zapotec. So I grew up as a bilingual, a sequential bilingual, or a, or yeah, I cannot distinguish when I start learning Spanish and when I start learning Zapotec. Uh, for me, I I learned the both of languages from from the beginning. So I I think that uh one, that's one of the really rare strange things about my family that they they gave they gave us this gift of speaking two languages from birth yeah that's amazing yeah yeah i really admire that when i see families who they don't listen to like what everyone else is doing and yeah you know they feel strongly about it and they continue transmitting the language even when like everyone around them is taking a different approach yeah yeah it's an act of resistance it's an act of resisting of keeping our language our identity our culture yeah and yeah, and I definitely think that this is one of the best things that we can do uh, for our children or to preserve our language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a routine on days when you're collecting data? Do you have like kind of a typical day when you're doing your research or is every day different? Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't have like a specific routine or a, a, a path that I follow but everything starts with breakfast <laughs> 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 and then after breakfast I help my because I'm a, a native a speaker doing linguistics in, in their own in their own um, town so uh, yeah everything starts with breakfast with the family and then talking about the day and about what we need to do for the day and then I just uh, take my 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 voice recorder and all the materials I need, and then I start visiting kids at their at their house and speak with the parents. And I visit one, or sometimes I can visit three of them in a, in a length time of maybe four or five hours. And then I stop, in, or sometimes uh, the families invite me for lunch, so I stay there. <laughs> and then I continue doing the same thing, like uh, going uh, from house to house, speaking with the parents, speaking about uh, the language, when we need to, to preserve, to promote them, and also measuring uh, the domains of language that these mm-hmm. kids have. Yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's what I do when I'm in the, in the field doing research. Yeah. Are you able to stay with your own family when you're doing research or do you go to other places where Zapotec is spoken? Uh, right now, yeah, I, I stay with my family. I'm I'm working on my own community, and in in the future, I, I I've been visiting other towns, so I know that the work I'm doing in my community, we also need to do that in other communities. So in the future, I'm really looking forward to to uh, to visit and also to work in other communities that that want to implement some activities and to promote the language in their in, in the community. 
Do you find it difficult to take a day off when you're working in the community because everybody kind of like knows you and knows where you are? Or is it Mm -hmm. okay for you to set those boundaries? Like I'm off today. We're not recording. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can take some days off and I definitely take them because I, yeah, I, uh, there are festivities and there are other social gatherings. So, uh, yeah, I, I stopped bringing with me my voice recorder and all my other materials. So I'm just enjoyed the, the, my time uh, there. Uh, I, I, live, uh, I left my, my town when I was 12 years old. And even though now I can visit, but uh, it's never the same. I cannot stay more than three months. So the last time I, I was there, I, I stayed for three months. And that's the, that's the, the maximum that I've been able to, to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, education. Um, I, yeah. I, I oh, just like also. busy life. Yeah, busy I life. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. When I go to Japan, I can only stay for three months, but that's because of like a visa thing. So <laughs> I thought maybe it was something like that. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's because uh, the our busy lives in the in the city, and now I'm not actually living in my own state. I'm living a little bit far away, <laughs> or far away. So yeah, it's it's getting more complicated to 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 return. But hopefully one day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Has COVID nineteen affected your plans at all? Have you still been able to do the research you intended, or have things been postponed? Uh, well, achieving my 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 <laughs> doing my field work for my dissertation, it was wow. Yeah, it um I had to uh, move my uh, my di- my data collection for a year. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, but uh, my assistantship uh, ends in um, this year, so my advisor advised me to. To, to try to collect the data and see how to how to do it and I managed to do it so that's why I I, I, I have the fortune to graduate uh, this year and now I'm in a I'm, I'm, I'm in a I have a, a associate a position oh you do a, oh congratulations yes. yeah thank you and yeah so I had to postpone my data collection for a year because data, uh, be, yeah, because the COVID pandemic and because the my hometown just closed the, wo- the the doors for a for more than a year, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the <laughs> same thing that everyone is struggling with, isn't it? Yeah, but the one of the things that I think we learn about this is that. Indigenous communities are really getting affected by the by the pandemic. It's it, not only because they don't have access to to the health insurance or to the health services, but also because uh, you know that there are many inequalities in the in the among indigenous people, and also and so yeah, I think that waiting, if we can wait for our research, I think that's one one of the good things we can do to preserve these communities. Definitely, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I agree. Can you can you speak to some of the challenges or the advantages you've experienced as an insider researcher 
Um, and does working as an insider researcher cause the community's perception of you to change, in your opinion? Yeah, well, uh, one of my main main struggles is that uh, it, sometimes it is difficult to find um, collaborators or, or just people that support my work. Um, as I was saying before, from the government, we have received this information that we need to stop a learning uh, or language because uh, we need to learn uh, Spanish in order to become a citizen of this nation, and 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 basically the people doesn't want to to know anything about their language. They they just want to to learn maybe Spanish or English or any other language. Uh, so sometimes when I I'm working there and I have a project. Uh, I don't receive enough support as I would like to to, to receive, uh, and also I've been seeing this in other communities that people know that they are losing the language, so they say, "Well, yeah, let's do it. Let's just come together and let's do it in the community to preserve our language." But in my community, it's difficult. It's difficult to do that. But now, like after seven years of being there every year maybe three times in a year, now people know who I am, what I want to do. And yeah, this perception or these attitudes to my work and to the language has been changed a little bit, but I think we are moving things there. So yeah, um, I cannot say that it has a, a, a broad impact, but uh, we are doing it little by little. Yeah. Do you, do you think um, people are more disparaging towards you because you are a community member and they, if they feel that the language is not valuable, then they don't, they want you to be doing something with a like more prestigious language or something else? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think that, uh, well, I've been seeing this, that when outsiders go to the community, well, they, they receive them, they support them, they are willing to, to, to interchange, to, to chat, to uh, many other activities. Because, um, sometimes I guess that we need to, we need to see someone else other than us, uh, to do something with our culture or our language. To, to value them, to, to give them some value. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that um, that's the reason because I'm an insider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really tough. Yeah, it is. It is because you can see your colleagues, your pairs over there. Yeah. And yeah, it's just different. <laughs> yeah. How do you keep from getting discouraged by that? Well, I guess that um, I have uh, this, this is something that I want to do for my language, for my community, and also because my family have struggled a lot about, uh, with our language. And my grandma, uh, he, she went to jail because they didn't want to stop using the language <laughs> uh, and yeah, stop transmitting it to my to my mom and my other uncles and and yeah. So um, this is like a, my act of 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 giving back to my grandma and to my family and also to my to my community that even uh, after these or those difficult times. The, some of them they are picking and preserving the language. So I'm doing this for 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 my for me for my family for my community, and because this is this is the um, speaking this language, it makes me see different and exist 
with other people in this world and being, you know, understanding uh, more uh, um, these everyday life or challenges that we have. So, yeah, that's 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 how I stand. <laughs> do, so, you f- do you feel? Would you say that you have like a calling? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any recommendations for how we can have more community member linguists involved in language documentation and language research? Yeah, well, sometimes we, we in, in our linguistic classes, we use these uh, podcasts or uh, maybe uh, a reports like, like these in, in our classes. And, and if, if someone listen this, sometimes as linguists, we work with collaborators in the communities and these collaborators are, are not native uh, speakers of the language. And I think that one of the best ways to return, to return to them or to give back to them is to train them in linguistics and support them if you want to pursue a, a college degree or, or, or any other degree in linguistics. Uh, sometimes for us in the communities, it's difficult to, to to um, to step outside of our community and and pursue our dreams and sometimes all we need is a little bit of support to do it to 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 be brave and do it so yeah i encourage and invite linguists and other colleagues and also members of the of community that can listen to this podcast to um, to speak up and to speak and and ask for help or you know, ask for support if they want uh, we cannot only be collaborators of linguists or other uh, other researchers we can also do or research in our own community and documenting our language or researching our language so yeah let's support uh, them let's support the uh, um, the speakers of the communities and yeah that's one of the best ways that we can do we can return to them what they are offering or sharing with us yeah yeah absolutely that's very well well said Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, do you have any advice for someone who wants to do similar work to you? Yes. Uh, It is difficult. It is difficult to work in your own community, but Mm. don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) Be stubborn. Be stubborn about about it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 I guess that, uh, yes, uh, that's what I've been doing the last seven years. Three or four years ago, uh, the my own community in the the major of the town the town uh, stopped one of my projects, uh-huh. and it was a pain. I was in, in so much pain, oh, no. and yeah, and yeah, it was really sad for me. But I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, and I, I, I don't want to give up. Yeah. yeah. Because it's it's easy to give up, but you will never you will never return, and also you will never uh, do what you want and what makes you happy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that everyone can relate to, insider outsider. The the like burnout is very real in field linguistics, just because it's so full on. Like it's probably real in every area of academia, but. Yeah, I often see people struggle with this like burnt out, just like overextension. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Especially after the PhD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Can you share with us what future research you're most excited about? So something from your own research that you're planning or something you're excited to see other people do in in the future? Yeah, I felt that um, we have gaps in one of them in pragmatics, in studying pragmatic of the language. And But before doing pragmatic, you need to also understand how the language works, right? But yeah, I'm ambitious of, or I, I really want to, to do some things about pragmatic, about how people tell or uh, talk about gossip and, and, and enchantment and, and other topics that uh, yeah that, that are more maybe culturally valued or uh, more important for the for the I don't know it's just um, it's, it's it's something that we don't really work in or see and study in linguistics mm-hmm. and yeah I, I that's what I'm excited about <laughs> for the future and also of course doing more applied work um, like um, uh, putting the language out there in the community make it visible for the young for the elder and yeah just putting the language in all the walls of the community in all the public spaces so that's something that I'm doing maybe in two or three months after I get some funds that I need to be released. And yeah, so yeah, those, those two things, that's what I'm more about, excited about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anna, so much for coming onto Field Notes. Can you tell our listeners where people can find you online if they want to read your papers or learn more about your work? Where should they go? Uh, yeah, well, uh, my research or my publications, there are in academia. You can find them there. But to see more excited things <laughs> and <laughs> academic papers, you can visit us. Um, we have a web, a Facebook fan page and also an Instagram. And you can find us as um, uh, D-I-L-L-Y-E. L N B A N digital ban and these two social medias there we share or the work we are doing as a as a as a as a group or as a collective of of young professional and speakers that want to promote their language in the digital area or the digital uh, media yeah. Awesome. Great. And if you send me those links, I will I will add them to the to the show notes as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Field Notes, a podcast about linguistic fieldwork. This podcast is hosted and produced by Martha Satsui Billens with production help from Laura Satsui. Our music is by Lobo Loco, and our logo is by Evil Designs. If you have a question or fieldwork experience to share, you can email us at fieldnotespod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ling Field Notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us an Apple podcast review. Thanks for listening.